calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hi, I'm Dave Larrabee from CFA Institute, and today I'm joined by Michael Mobison. Michael is a Director of Research at Blue Mountain Capital Management and a uh, author of several books, including The Success Equation. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Great to be with you. So, Michael, you're well known for your work in the area of behavioral finance. Um, share with us, if you would, some of the more prominent examples of behavioral bias among professional investors, and, and what are some of the ways they might mitigate those biases? Well, Dave, I think the number one for me is probably overconfidence, which is that we tend to think we know about the future more than we actually do. And the way that usually manifests is projecting ranges of outcomes that are too narrow, where we think we know how things are going to unfold. Um, the way to overcome that to a large degree is to look at things like base rates, look at what's happened in history, look at uh, other market indicators like options volatility to make sure you're considering all the possible outcomes. And by the way, that, organizations, that's what can really helpful if you've got teammates uh, that are working with you to push your boundaries. The second one, which everyone in the investment business does, is called confirmation bias, which is you may struggle to come up with a decision, but once you've decided something, you tend to seek information that confirms your point of view and discount or dismiss uh, information that doesn't uh, confirm your point of view. So it's really important and really hard to keep an open mind that when new information comes in, that you're really accurately updating your views. So those are the big ones. How do you deal with that? It is, again, having an actively open-minded mindset and making sure that you are not wedded to any particular point of view too, too much. Mm -hmm. um, now, you've cautioned analysts against using the price-earnings ratio as a valuation tool. Um, what's wrong with the PE ratio? P ratio, first of all, I should say about multiples in general, is they're not valuation. They're actually shorthands for the valuation process. And I think those are really important things to distinguish. But the big thing, the two big things with PE multiples is one is there's no reckoning for capital intensity. So you can have two businesses with the same earnings, actually the same earnings growth rate, but very different capital intensity. And the less capital intensive one will justifiably have a higher PE multiple. The second thing that's not really captured in there is risk. So how do we think about risk? And again, two businesses, similar earnings, but different risk profiles. The, I think the market sorts that out, but there's no really simple, explicit way to capture that in a PE multiple. Mm -hmm. You've advocated that uh, investors use a, uh, or uh, keep a decision-making journal as a way to improve their investment performance. And that's an idea that's been espoused by Daniel Kahneman. What's the value of a journal for investors? I think a journal allows you to really audit your decisions. I think not just in investing, but any walk of life. We tend to go through and make decisions, but as the world unfolds, we tend to forget exactly how we came up with our, thought, you know, our thoughts and our views on things. So a decision journal allows you to under, write down you know, what you expect to happen, why you expect to happen. And one of the things I think is really valuable about a journal is you should write down probabilities. So I think there's an X percent probability of this certain event unfolding. And then you can go back and over time collect your views and audit the quality of your decisions rather than applying what's often called hindsight bias. Is what we tend to reinterpret the past in a way that makes us look good. So a journal allows you to keep track and hopefully with that feedback improve the accuracy of your uh, judgments. Mm -hmm. 
And you've written a lot about the, uh, the value or the importance of having a sound investing process. What are some of the hallmarks of an effective investment process? Right. Well, first of all, it is thinking probabilistically. So you understand that nothing is for sure, that almost everything comes in probabilities. And that whole probability mindset is really important. Actively open-minded is also really important. It's, these are people that not only are willing to entertain different points of view, actually seek alternative points of view. And by the way, it's a cognitively very taxing thing to do. Um, you want a process that's repeatable. So over time, you can do it in different environments. And at its core, economically sound. So it's based on principles, economic principles that we know to be true. So things like the value of an asset will be the present value of future cash flows. You know, I think we could say that today. I think we'll meet in 10 years or 20 years and we'd be able to say the same thing. Um, so you want those principles, principles to be uh, you know, fairly constant through time. So those would be some of the hallmarks. And, and you know, sort of the theme of my discussion today on, on these behavioral things is you really want to weave into your process wherever possible methods to manage or mitigate the kinds of mistakes or biases that we all fall for. So I think none of us are immune, but we can do a better or worse job of, of putting things into our process to allow us to manage those, those problems. And you've talked about keeping a, uh, having a checklist. Does that kind of fall into that uh, process, that investment process? Yeah, checklist is fantastic. And you know that they've been applied obviously really well in aviation and medicine. I think it's trickier in investing because uh, the, the conditions can change. But one of the ways I like to think about investing is sort of a continuum of a set of activities. And there are certain things in investing that allow lend themselves to checklists. So how you do certain things from an analytical methodology point of view or certain, for example, competitive strategies, you might have checklists that can really help you be rigorous and thorough in your analysis. So it doesn't apply everywhere, but there are certain aspects of investing where I think it can be really powerful. Mm -hmm. Michael, in your book, The Success Equation, uh, you explore which of our successes uh, and failures can be attributed to either luck or skill. How long a track record do you need to see um, to determine whether or not a portfolio manager or an analyst, uh, if their success is due to either luck or skill? So Dave, that's a tough one to answer, um, but I'll say a couple things about that. First is, it's actually uh, the, the standard way to do that is to think about all performance in one distribution, right? So you're saying here are all these portfolio managers, and what's the likelihood that any one person will be in the right tail, so really good performance? And if you go by that measure, the answer is many, many years, usually more than 25 years. Another way to think about it, though, is to think about two different distributions, a skill distribution and a luck distribution. And perhaps you're drawing a number from each and putting them together. If you go through that approach, uh, the, the answer comes down a little bit, but it's still, still a pretty long period of time. So you say, well, what do we do about that if we're supposed to be looking at these things for 25 years? The answer is to go back to what we talked about a moment ago, which is focusing on process. And you know, there's a belief in probabilistic systems that people with the best processes have the best chance, best probability of good long-term outcomes. So while outcomes are what we're ultimately after, I would focus probably more on process and, uh, and, and not completely discount, but place less emphasis on short-term outcomes. Very good. Michael, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, All Rights Reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.